Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Irish on Tap, a podcast about the Notre Dame Fighting Irish presented to you by On Tap Sportsnet. I'm your host, Brandon Suarez. You can follow me on social at BDON300, and you can follow our main account at On Tap Irish. Today, we're going to be breaking down the final game of the season, an absolute beatdown of the Stanford Cardinal, a revenge game for last year, if you will. It didn't start out too pretty. Stanford actually led at the end of the first quarter, 13-7. to We had a little bit of a slow start this game, but somebody, a specific someone, felt a little slighted at not being mentioned for the Doak Walker Award. And I think that's all the uh, fuel that Audric Estime needed to go out there and have the Audric Estime game. Audric Estime had four tutties on the day, uh, 238 yards, like just – you knew he was going to have a big game, right? You thought, yeah, he, he's a little pissed off. He tweeted after the uh, award finalists were were released and he wasn't on there, and it's bullshit. I don't, I don't care what anybody thinks. I haven't even looked at the list. I don't need to look at the list. Audric Estime deserves to be on that list. He is a top back in the nation. And the Doak Walker Award is for the top running backs in the nation. I feel like we should at least look. So it's three finalists. Okay. So they announced the semifinalists, and that was what pissed them off. That was last week. Bro, go fuck yourselves. I cannot believe this. Okay, so there's the finalists and the semifinalists. Hold so, yeah, Jonathan Brooks, Texas, Taj Brooks, Texas Tech, Marcus Carroll, Georgia State, Blake Corum, Michigan, Ollie Gordon, Oklahoma State, Omari and Hampton, North Carolina, R.J. Harvey, UCF, Damian Martinez, Oregon State, and Corey Schrader from Missouri. Like, bro, you couldn't have included him in there over, like, Marcus Carroll, fucking R.J. Harvey. Like, the way he's played this year – it doesn't matter that he has a good line is above some of these group of five fucking people that they put on here. So the final three, Ollie Gordon warranted Oklahoma State's not where they are without him. Cody Schrader, same thing, Missouri warranted. And then, yeah, I mean, bro, fucking they're sucking Amari and Hampton's 234-yard performance and three touchdowns. And it's like North Carolina one sucks. They're Drake May merchants. They haven't won a football game in well over a month. Like, they've just been getting shit pumped. And then, yeah, like, his best game's not even better than Estime's best game. Fucking rigged award nerds. The only people that are more domestic terrorists than the people that run the Doak Walker are the people that run the Baseball Writers of Associ- Baseball Writers Association of America. It's a bunch of fucking nerds that have never played the position, that have never put the helmet on, never put the shoulder pads on, never been the man in the arena. So for us to let them pick our fucking awards is absolutely beyond me. But it doesn't take away from what Audric did out there on Saturday. 25 carries, 238 yards. He literally almost had 10 yards of fucking pop. And he had four touchdowns. Can't even include him on the list. So Audric Estime will go on to be a great running back in the NFL. And if we get him back for another year at Notre Dame, that's even better. But... This guy has all the traits. He has all the intangibles. He sits there at 5'11", 227. He already fits the profile. I know maybe maybe they want him to be a little bit taller. That's fine. He's not a quarterback. He doesn't have to see over the line. 5'11", 
1,341 yards, 18 touchdowns, 6.4 yards a pop. It is absolutely insane, his numbers this year. Last year and the year before, so he didn't play a lot in 2021. He only had seven carries. Last year was the year that he kind of became the number one back. But if you remember last year, he had a fumble problem. He would fumble the ball a lot more than you would expect for a guy of his size and stature. This year, he's the best player on our team by a wide margin. Say Xavier Watts probably be the second best. Best player on offense for sure. And someone that, I mean, I would hope he plays in the bowl game. I don't know if he will, but you never know nowadays with college football. And he's a guy that has NFL aspirations. So we'll see what happens. But overall, it was a game that, yeah, we may not have controlled from the outset, but once we grabbed control of, it was on and popping. It was a game that everybody eats. Uh, Jordan Faison got a touchdown on the day. Sam Hartman threw for two. He only had to throw for 140 yards. And then, of course, everyone was clamoring for Steve Angeli to come in the game. Uh, once we took control of the game in the third quarter, he threw one pass and it was an interception. So not great, uh, but it happens. Uh, Hartman ran the rock four for 47. Love had 47 yards on the ground. Jabrian Payne had 35 and a touchdown. Uh, Jaden Great Greathouse had a touchdown. Uh, and then obviously you have it was uh Javante John Baptiste on the blocked punt. <laughs> he returned it 60 yards for a touchdown. Let me uh put the other touchdown scores in here because that was a lot. So yeah, Javante John Baptiste was the final touchdown of the day, and it was the 60 yard uh blocked field goal. You had estimate in the third quarter, estimate third quarter twice, and phase on once. Estime and Jabrian Payne, as well as Great House in the second quarter. And then Estime uh, with the first touchdown of the game, which actually, I don't know why I didn't put the house on that. I should have known that was coming with the week that he had. But you get four Estime touchdowns, two touchdowns from your own, your young receivers in Great House and Faison. We've seen great stuff from Faison uh, throughout the season. I really look forward to seeing, you know, what the future holds for him. But – with all the positive, obviously, comes some sort of negative. It is the end of the season. We live in an era of college football where the second that final whistle is blown, the PR teams for these guys and the agents for these guys already have the graphic written up with all the words and the picture of the player in their uniform and thank you to the fans and this and that. Chris Tyree has entered the transfer portal, and Nana Osafo Mensa, the defensive lineman, has also entered the transfer portal. There will be more people in the coming days, and we will get players through the transfer portal that will fill those spots. It is the era of college football that we live in, and I'm just thankful that at the end of the day, this is still Notre Dame, and we will still prevail and find players in the transfer portal that will help make this team a contender next year. One position in specific is the position that we attacked in the transfer portal this year via Sam Hartman. We have to go back in the transfer portal and get a new quarterback. It is not 1999 anymore. That is the way that college football works. When your quarterback graduates, you enter the transfer portal and you find a new quarterback, unless you have a quarterback on your roster that has experience. Long are the days that you see a freshman quarterback come in and get playing time right away. Look at Arch Manning, for example. He's not beating out Quinn Ewers. He might not ever beat out Quinn Ewers while Quinn Ewers is there. So does Arch Manning stay or does he transfer? That's the fucking era of college football that we live in, and it's an arms race. Luckily, 
we are fans of a school that can compete in that arms race. Yeah, we haven't competed to the tune of a championship, but in the era of NIL, we got money. We have NBC money. We have booster money. We have NIL money. We can find ways to get the players that we need because it's essentially essentially fucking free agency at this point. So I'm dealing with the reverse end of that spectrum right now uh, with NIU. And NIU is losing players, and they're not going to be able to fill those spots fast enough with Division One players. They're going to have to go down to the FCS level and find players at that level in order to move up. And it, it's just – that's just how it goes now. That's just the model of college football. FCS players and HBCU players move up to Division One. Group of five players move up to the Power Five. And – that's just where it is. If you go to a lower power five, you, you move up to a higher power five. I don't know how else to cut it. But none of these teams are sticking together for four years anymore. It's just not how it works. And there was a meeting, I want to say, about a month ago that the coaching staff, the player personnel people, and Marcus Freeman all had basically saying – we're going to have we, – we might have to attack the transfer portal for a quarterback again in the offseason. And that's what it's looking towards. But you would hope that you get Sam Hartman to play in the bowl game. You would hope that you get Audrick Asamay to play in the bowl game. And uh, we'll be without guys like Chris Tyree and, and Nana. But you, that's just – you know, back in the day it was players would sit out because – they didn't want to ruin their draft stock with an injury. Now it's because players are entering the transfer portal or players are still not trying to get hurt for injury with the draft. So that part hasn't changed. You just add the transfer portal uh, aspect to it, and every program's dealing with it. The transfer portal takes on more people than it can spit back out into other schools every single year. So uh, with that being said, I uh, wish nothing but the best for Chris Tyree and Nana Osafo Mensa, but – you know, we still have to find a way to win one more football game. And that game, uh, judging by what I've seen in bowl projections, has been all eyes on Brian Kelly's fathead ass, all eyes on LSU. So it, it's, it's very interesting to see which way the season will turn. Um, they did release the final college football playoff rankings for last night, or they released them last night. And uh, let's see where we where we got to. And it moved up. They moved up one spot to 17 in the college football playoff and to 16 in the AP. So not terrible. Uh, could be worse. I kind of have said for the last few weeks that just finishing the season in the top 15 uh, would be an ideal finish to the season, but. It is what it is. Like, we're not going to the college football playoff. We're not going to end up in the uh, New Year's Six. So you just have to find a way uh, to, to find the positives with the negatives. And we finished the regular season 9-3, and three, and we can try to get to 10-2 and two, and, or to 10-3. and three. And that's the best that we can do. We can hope that uh, other people lose throughout the way, and we'll, we'll find a way to finish in the top 15. And that will probably be the best that we can do for this season. But other than that, like, there has been growth. Like, you have seen players like Benjamin Morrison get better throughout the season. You have seen players like Xavier Watts, who you didn't really know what to expect going into the season, turn into solidified ballers. Obviously, you lose players um, via graduation. You lose players to the NFL draft. 
and you lose players to the transfer portal every year. So next year's team will be a completely different outfit. Uh, I look forward to seeing, you know, how they can build into year three of Marcus Freeman, right? Because year one was kind of shaky. Year two was good. I just think that if we're going to schedule the way we schedule, we have to split it up. You absolutely cannot have four ranked opponents in consecutive weeks. We had a month full of ranked opponents, and it was the deterrent of our season. Like, it, that month determined how our season would finish. And I wish it went differently. I wish we didn't have three losses in the loss column, but – we are where we are in this season, and you have to find a way to send the seniors off the right way. You get an extra month of practice here with the bowl game, so you'll have time for those younger players to to, to grow and develop. Maybe there's a young receiver or a young defensive lineman that can get those reps for Chris Tyree or Nana that are transferring, and you go from there. And hopefully the recruiting people – are already working overtime trying to find ways to get a guy like KJ Jefferson in Notre Dame or to get one of these these top end quarterbacks that are transferring in the transfer portal uh to come to Notre Dame. So it shouldn't be that hard. The recruiting pitch the recruiting pitch uh works for itself. Like you know what you're getting into by coming to Notre Dame. You know what the expectations are, and you know that you're going to get get everything that you need to be successful. So with that being said, it's it's just find a way to make the best out of this final month, and then you go play that bowl game. You try to get a win there, and then we're on to next season. Uh, as far as the bowl projections go, so we'll start with ESPN. Um so, yeah, ESPN, they have two reporters on the beat that did this uh, article. Shablock has Notre Dame versus LSU in the Relia Quest uh, Bowl. And then Bonagira has Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State in the Pop-Tarts Bowl, which I heard there is an edible Pop-Tarts mascot for that bowl game. So, um, to, if the players win that one, that would be sick to see them go out there and just hammer a Pop-Tart. That would be incredible. I'm going to look up uh, some of the other bowl projections for our team here. Two, five total. So ESPN has really a quest on the Pop-Tart Bowl. Let's see what US, USA Today has. So the really a quest bowl is actually formerly the Outback Bowl. Um, and it's projected that either LSU or Ole Miss take one of the spots. Um, it would be the first, yeah, obviously the first chance for us to play Brian Kelly since his fat ass left. Uh, Oklahoma State or Kansas State are the projections for the Pop Tarts Bowl. Those really look like the only two, uh, yeah, like Sports Illustrated uh, also has it with the Relia Quest Bowl and the Pop Tarts Bowl. So that's it. I don't have to look any further. All of the publications have it at those as those two bowl games. So. We're either going to get Ole Miss, we're going to get LSU, we're going to get Kansas State or Oklahoma State. That's it. And Oklahoma State, revenge game for the first game of Marcus Freeman's career, right? LSU, revenge game for Brian Kelly's fat ass leaving our program high and dry. Ole Miss would be a great game. It's Lane Kiffin. They have a great offense. We have a great defense. Decent offense just only plays good against terrible teams. So I think uh, that would be an interesting game. And then – Kansas State out of the Big 12, coming off of a big loss uh, against Iowa State in the snow. 
that would be a great game as well. So I think, uh, you know, and, and if you look at, if you look at where all four of those teams are ranked, right? So Kansas State's at 25, Ole Miss is 11, Oklahoma State is 18, and LSU is 13. LSU is the highest ranked 9-3 and three team in this nation. They're fucking terrible. We will beat them if we play them. And, uh, yeah, if I had to rank it in any particular order, it would be LSU, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Kansas State. LSU, obviously, you guys know why. Oklahoma State, same reason you know why. Um, Ole Miss, number 11 team in the nation, you want to play them. You absolutely want to play them. And then Kansas State, a little indifferent about that one. Still a very good team. Will Howard's a great quarterback. But, yeah, I just uh, give us LSU or give us Oklahoma State or give me death. Offensive player of the game goes without being said, right? Can't give it to anybody else for this last game. 25 carries, 238 yards, four touchdowns, a big middle finger to the to the Doak Walker Award finalist uh, voting committee. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Javante John-Baptiste, a 60-yard touchdown from alignment. I know it was on a uh, it's on a special teams play. He's still a defender, though. We'll still give it to him. So uh, offensively, like I said, Audrey Casame, defensively, Javante John-Baptiste will get the rest of his numbers. Let me pull up the rest of his numbers real quick. So I'm pretty sure he had a few sacks. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he had three total tackles. Uh, two solos, a sack and a half, and two and a half tackles for loss. Um, our linebackers are just thumpers, dude. I'm going to miss our linebackers when they're gone. J.D. Bertrand, Morris LaFowl, uh, Jack Kaiser. Jack Kaiser, actually, I believe he had interception in this game. I could be wrong. Yeah, interception, 25 yards. Wish he could have housed it. Definitely not fast enough to do so. But, yeah, just a, uh, a real hard-nosed lunch pail. Uh, bring your your hard hat to work set of guys, and uh, those guys will definitely be missed. And then, obviously, you look in the secondary, right? Benjamin Morrison, he'll be back. Uh, Xavier Watts, strange career, right? Shows up as a receiver, really doesn't ever play as a receiver at Notre Dame, switches over to safety and becomes one of the best safeties in the nation and our best defensive player this year for sure. So, I'm really proud of the way that Coach Golden has coached this defense up. I'm proud of the strides this defense has made along the way throughout the season. And I just look forward to the culmination of all that in the bowl game. Hopefully we can play at as close to full strength as possible. And we won't have to deal with uh, as many more transfer portal players or any injuries or anything else along the way. But Notre Dame finds a way to win this one 56-223. Uh, obviously, we don't play the conference, so we don't have a game this week. We are on a hiatus. The guys get a little bit of a break, but also an extra month of practice. And then one more opportunity uh, to prove who the 2023 Notre Dame football team is. Um, like I said earlier in the show, we do have a couple people already in the transfer portal in Chris Tyree and Nana Osafa Mensa. And then as far as bowl game projections go, there's only four teams that they're having us uh, projected against. Ole Miss, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, and none other than Brian Kelly and his Louisiana State Tigers. So, um, yeah, still a good time to be an Irish fan. Wasn't our best season, but we can still close it out on a positive note. And uh, we'll be back with you guys, uh, I would say, next week, obviously, because we'll find out this Sunday 
uh, who the bowl game will be. We'll do an initial, uh, just a bowl game episode. So that episode might just be general college football, right? We'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff. We'll talk about the different bowl matchups, and then we'll do a true blue uh, pre-game show and post-game show. And we'll try to find uh, some player interviews along the way because we will have a, about a month or so in between our, our last game and our next game. So uh, with that being said, uh, we always do appreciate the listeners. We did actually just get our Spotify wrapped back for today or for this year. Uh, the top listened to episode of the season was the Duke recap and the Louisville preview. Um, <laughs> if the people that knew and were happy after Duke knew what was coming on the other side of that game, maybe they wouldn't have listened. But for those of you that did, we do appreciate you as always. Um, saw saw some some small growth, a little three percent uh, growth in our our listeners, which any percentage counts. But yeah, I I always love looking at the numbers, seeing uh, who listens to us where they're listening from. We were, we were heard from three different countries this year. So it's always great to see uh, different people listening to the show and checking in with Notre Dame football. And we have a lot of fun doing it. I do really apologize uh, for not getting an episode out prior to the Stanford game. A lot of moving parts had work a lot last week. And then obviously the holiday. So just by the time I had time to do it, it was already Friday and to do the episode Friday, put it out Friday, have people or expect people to listen to it Saturday is just not how I do business. So I figured might as well just skip it. Um, I apologize for that. If you were waiting for an episode last week, it won't happen again for the rest of the year, but we'll be back with you guys to discuss the bowl draw to discuss the college football playoff draw and what happens this weekend here in conference championship Saturday. Um, just real quick, I'll read off the games for you so you kind of know what we have to watch because, like I told you last week or two weekends ago, uh, I'm going to watch as much of this damn football that I can get because we have a limited amount of games. So you got games on Friday and Saturday. Uh, you have New Mexico State Liberty playing for the Conference USA. You have Oregon and Washington playing for the Pac-12. Oklahoma State and Texas playing for the Big 12. Miami of Ohio and Toledo playing for the MAC. You have Boise State and UNLV playing for the Mountain West. Georgia and Alabama playing for the SEC. You know that's going to be a good one. Uh, SMU and Tulane playing for the American Conference. App State and Troy playing for the Sun Belt. Michigan and Iowa playing for the Big Ten. And Florida State and Louisville playing for the ACC. And Florida State trying to wrap up a spot in the college football playoff. But that's the schedule that we got this week. We got Army-Navy next week. And we got the bowl. Um, we got the bowl games ahead of us. Um, enjoy it while it's here. Enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy one final game in Notre Dame football uh, on this season. But win or lose, we'll be there to preview it and we'll be there to recap it. As I said a couple minutes ago, whether it's your first show with us or you've been with us since we started the show four years ago, we always appreciate your support. We'll be back to you guys here in the near future. I got nothing else for you guys. And go Irish. Irish.